I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name's Shelley. I'm a HR consultant with Bold Side. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, and I'm the COO of a business called Rare Kind. And today on the show, we're talking about 10 things to do for your career before you're 30. You know what? I'm going to jump in early and just say, if you're past 30, you have not missed the boat. Yeah. Still keep listening. We haven't done a few of these things, and I'm like, I want to do this more. Well, it's funny you say that because I was looking at the list thinking, so does it matter if I didn't do these things? things before I was 30 and now that moment's passed. But look, we live and learn and I guess that's why we're here passing on some of our wisdom, if I can call it that. Awesome. So let's get into it because we're going to move fast through these. And the first one, Emma, I'm going to kick off is you should take a career break. You should. I didn't. You You had a forced career break when you you had burnout, right? Well, yeah, (laughs) once or twice. But no, it's funny. I went straight from my HSC into uni and then straight from – like I was – actually, I started my first, in inverted commas, career job in an administration role a week before I started uni. So then that kind of flowed through. And then I went into like my grad role and here I am. So no, I can't, you you need to talk to this one. Yeah, so I've actually just really taken a career break because oh, I've- Wow, we're I, really starting off strong. We are. <laughs> since you're not under 30. I know, I'm not under 30, but I have just taken a career break and I wish I did it earlier. Yeah, and, and that's what this is all about, right? That's learning, right. Learning, learning, learning. So if you, and I love actually how LinkedIn now have updated with, you can put a career break in- your LinkedIn profile and it's like it's really cool way to say it's okay to take a career break and in fact if you want to reimagine your career and you want to change completely do something new for me starting my own business was that so I took about four months off work and really allowed myself the space and time of unemployment to Mm. rethink all my options and that was uh, obviously there's the privileged to be able to do that. Not everyone can obviously do that. And there was obviously financial, like you have to think about all those things. But for me, just allowing myself the space to go away and really think through what what do I want to be doing? How can I reimagine where I'm at? And I think so many people who do that really are grateful for the time they've spent. And it, it doesn't just have to be about thinking about your next move. It could be traveling around Australia. I know one of my good friends has just recently done that and taken six months off. And that is a really awesome thing to do because you will never regret those experiences that you take out of your career to spend time living your life and enjoying your family or enjoying amazing experiences like that. Three quick fire questions for you since you've been through a career break. How important is it to have a plan as far as when you will return? Mm, that's a good point. And for me, it was obviously financial was one of the big factors of here's my timeline that I'm allowing myself to think through the options. So have your metrics of what what is your timeline that you're allowing yourself and 
sticking to that for me, it was the maximum time was really four months that I was able to kind of do that. So that was my main. And on the flip side, would there be in your experience, like a minimum that would qualify as a career break? I don't know. I think about it as like long service leave. We don't often get to take long service Mm. leave now because people don't work in jobs that long, but that, that, legislation existed for a reason and a reason is to give you a really solid break and so anything two months and longer I think would count as a career break. All right and third question and I hope this is a PC and okay for me to ask is parental leave a career break? Oh no I don't I don't see parental leave as a career okay. break. And I ask you this as a mother like I feel like it's something that I, I just don't know. I remember someone once said to me oh, when I was going off on to have my first baby Oh, enjoy your recreation leave. Oh. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't see parental leave as a career break. And the reason I say that is because historically, I know lots of women have found taking time out has set them back. I don't really, I don't really know the answer to this, Em, but I, I want to say I don't want it to be a career break because I don't think mums who have their full-time job working with their family – should be set back in their career. But I know that that's not necessarily reality. Yeah. And look, I've probably sent us down a little rabbit hole. So consider that food for thought. But uh, I guess what I take away from it, and if I consider it as someone who hasn't taken that leave before and also hasn't had a career break, I can I can even sense that there's perhaps these differences. They might be nuanced or subtle, but these differences between taking a career break that is purely about you versus taking a career break that is to look after this wonderful new child that you've got you know a beautiful baby sure but there's 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 something in there that I almost can't describe and I'm not sure you can either but it doesn't feel like the same thing I know it doesn't the reason I ask that is to encourage people who are listening to understand that when we say take a career break sure it can be to spend time with your family but don't muddy the waters with it and going, yeah, well, I've taken parental leave. That's my career break. It's like, no, take your family and travel around Australia or, or do something else. Yeah. That's right. Okay, cool. Uh, number two. So this one we're calling start something on the side. My experience with this, uh, can, in I guess stark contrast to our first career break example, is I've really valued having and I've, I've gained so much value from having something on the side, what I call extracurriculars through most, if not all of my career so far. And one that stands out to me as being particularly valuable was joining the board of the local young professionals networking group in my 20s. And I'm now, you know, I'm no longer a part of that board. I haven't been for many, many years, but like I'll go to these people's weddings and I'm, you know, a part of their lives when they're having their first children. I'm also calling in favours and, and they're calling in favours professionally and it's just strengthened my network but it also strengthened my skill set. I was involved in social media and event management and these things that I was never sort of doing at the time in my day job and that was just so powerful for me. When I think about that example, M, I think there's something awesome in a networking group when you've got a role. Yeah, <laughs> because a bit I, of structure, a bit of, a bit of formality. Right. I find networking events like can be pretty awkward, but when you've actually stepped in and said, I can help a group do X, Y, Z as a volu- in a volunteer capacity, you actually feel like you've got higher ownership and more um, clarity about why you're there and what you're doing. And I think that really helps if you're awkward about going to networking events and I'll raise my hand and say that I am that person, 
this is a great way to do it, to put your hand up and say, I'll jump on the board of, of this or I will take on X role of organising this event. And that can really help you have a sense of purpose in that group. Yeah, and that was a volunteer opportunity for me. There have been other volunteer opportunities that have not been professional. They've been more so in that charitable space where I've looked to give back to the community. So that's just as valuable. But when we were kicking this around, we also talked about the idea of a side hustle. So maybe there's a paid opportunity or a passion project that you could be a part of before you turn 30. Uh, And it's not voluntary. And I I was talking to a friend of mine who is in a job she's been in for quite a long time, like 10 years. And she was, she's gotten to the point where she's bored, but the money's really good. And we were talking about, well, she's had this passion project thing that she's wanted to do for ages. I'm like, well, now that you've got the mental energy, start working on that on the side start investing in that. Use this job where you're getting paid really good money. To you're kind of on autopilot as that's well. That's right. So you don't expend your really good deep work energy in that capacity, but you're actually using it to build up that passion project. So it depends where you're at, but it is a really good thing. Like the podcast is an, for us is an example of a side project that we love that's created heaps of opportunities. So find that for yourself. Do it before you're 30. It's definitely worth it. All right. So the next one is get a stretch roll. And if you're wondering what I mean by that, because I don't know, it could be yoga teacher. Yeah, I'd like to, um, I need to do some more stretching. But what I'm talking about is find a role or put your hand up for a promotion for something that you think is out of your depth. And I love this so much because I think our natural tendency is to shy away from those, like to look at the criteria and go, I don't have all of that, so I'm not going to put my hand up. What we're saying is put your hand up for something that you feel like you're not ready for. That could be a leadership gig. If you've never led people before, put your hand up, but try a leadership role. See if you like it. It's a really important career step. Or try a role that you think, I don't meet all the criteria. I don't have that qualification. I'm going to go for it anyway. You will not regret doing that. We've talked in the past as well about the opportunity. So, Say you're in a situation where your leader would normally or your manager would normally be the person that runs a project. It's like, why not ask them, hey, could I actually take the lead on this project this time? With you right there in the wings, it would be a stretch for me, I know, but I'd really love it as a learning opportunity and I am all in to do a great job. Absolutely. I love that, M. Number four, we have get a mentor or a coach and meet with them quarterly at a minimum. This is the fine print, right? It's like you you can't just get one and then leave them on the shelf or prioritise other things. Minimum quarterly meetings. And this is so important because it's easy to kind of put this on the back burner. Like we all want a mentor, we all want a coach, but it doesn't seem to stay up there in our priority zone because we've got so much going on. We've already got our boss who we meet with regularly or whatever, but this is a different kind of development and finding someone who's further along in their journey than you and having a safe space to talk to someone about the challenges that you're experiencing at work, about your growth opportunities is a really invaluable opportunity. I know I'm probably uh, the outlier of our generation because I have been in the same business for so long, but something I've found really valuable in having mentors and mentor moments through my 20s and and continues to be, but particularly through my 20s was I'm so exposed to these wonderful people that I work with and have worked with for, you know, it was racking up like three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, like 11, 12 years and... I needed to just check what was going on in the outside world and get that perspective from someone else that's not as in in my bubble, 
day to day. Em, you just said something so good a second ago and you've, uh, you've talked to me about this before and I'm obsessed with it about mental moments. Can you talk to us about what you oh, mean? Yeah, I love mental moments. So I have, uh, look, I'll advocate absolutely for this number four, get a mentor or a coach and meet with them minimum quarterly. I think that that is really valuable, but I've also found value in mental moments. And what I mean by that is that one-off coffee with someone where you're just sitting there to explore ideas about yourself, about your own career, or you end up in a conversation and you weren't necessarily expecting it to be a mental conversation. However, you're able to take away a mental moment. I love it so much. Maybe we need to reframe. Let's workshop this live on the podcast. Reframe this tip to have a mental moment at least quarterly. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be the same person. It doesn't have to have the structure, which is what I love that you're saying. And finding people that are in different fields, you're not going to have one person that covers all the things that you need necessarily, but having different people from different areas that you take out for lunch every now and then, have a coffee with and really – or like building those relationships. To me, I've got a couple of people in my world who who play different roles in that mentor space and I reach out to them regularly. It's usually ad hoc. It's not necessarily planned, but it would end up being once a quarter on average. average. And that's such an – it's a nice way to build that little panel that you've got through your career where you go, right, I'm faced with this situation or I'm feeling a bit this way – who's the person that I know would really suit this and then reach out to them and say, look, I just feel like I need to have a chat. Have you got time for a coffee? I just want to run something by you. Or the other one that I like is just being like, we want to raise your awareness to this. So if you're in a situation where you're having a chat in passing with someone and they say something that resonates for you to think, oh, let me grab onto that and say, hey, oh, Jack, I love what you've just said right now actually, could we grab a coffee next week? Because I'd like to explore that further with you. That is awesome. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) So what next? All right, number five. And this one's a goodie. Ask for more money. Do it. Yes. Now, when we were planning this episode, I did say, and I'm happy to be a little bit unfiltered here, but don't be dumb about it. And I guess I wanted to talk about what that meant. So what we're talking about here when we say ask for more money, it's not a ticker box exercise. We have done a couple of episodes on what it means to ask for a pay rise and the same rules apply here. It needs to be considered, it needs to be measured, it needs to be deserved and it needs to be well business case. And the good thing is right now, as you're listening to this episode, when it gets released, now is a good time to ask for more money. Can I say that again? Like now, today, you know, well, don't do it to plan it out. Yeah. But in the next <laughs> couple of weeks, ask for more money. And we'd love to hear your stories of how you go because the job market is like wild. It's so good. And this is an opportunity that you should go for at this moment. And we know all the crazy stuff about inflation and all those things that are happening. And so be bold, be brave, but don't be dumb, as you said. Yeah, don't be dumb about it. Is it okay for me to say that? I think it's fine. I think everyone knows your your heart in it is if you want to get the pay rise, it's really about the way that you approach it. So when we talked about on previous episodes, you're wanting to warm the other person to your request. Does that sound weird? I don't know. It probably does. But you're wanting to draw them towards a yes, not push them away. That's right. So go listen to the other episodes about how to ask for more money. I reckon we need to do a new one of that. So maybe we can, you know. Yeah, a little refresh. That's right. Now, hey, 
We're up to number five. So let's take a break and we'll be back in a sec. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, we are on the home stretch here. We're hitting the halfway mark. And number six is set up your LinkedIn. If you don't have a LinkedIn profile, then this is something you can do today. And once you have set up your LinkedIn profile, don't expect it to be perfect first go. You chip away at it, you maintain it, you nurture it. And what that can look like, I encourage you, go and connect with everyone you know. I often hear when I give this encouragement and advice to people, the response oh, I can't add them, I haven't spoken to them in years. If you are 25, you finished uni four or five years ago and there's a lecturer, there's a tutor, there's a student that you worked on a group assignment with or you just actually sat next to a few times, I want you to think about who those people are and I want you to add them. The same goes for school, the same goes for the sporting club that you're a part of. All of these people have day jobs and you have no idea what they might mean to you in your professional life now or in the future. And working on this is so helpful because you're going to expose yourself to opportunities you never would have pursued. As soon as you see people start to develop their LinkedIn and they start getting messages from recruiters, messages from networks about opportunities that come up, it's such an awesome tool to have and it's not something that you want to develop when you absolutely need it. Absolutely not. There's a a magic tipping point when you hit 500 connections. Now, that does take time. Uh, 500 is a big number and a lot of us don't know that many people, but this is why I encourage you to go back through your Rolodex. Probably don't know what that is, but I've heard about it in the movies. I think it's that, it's like a little black address book. Anyway, uh, moving on, that's an awkward moment, but... (laughs) I want you to, I'm encouraging you to connect with everybody because when you hit that tipping point of that 500 connections mark, this weird thing happens overnight where everybody else is coming to you. It's so good, Em, and it really does work like that. So so set it up before you really need it. You don't want to be working on this when you're trying to find a new job. You want it to have it there humming so that when it's time for you to look for new opportunities, it's raring and ready to go. While we're talking about this, M, I think it's really good to say clean up your online self. We all have a digital pr- footprint 
And some of it might be great. Some of it we might think, oh, whoops, I don't want that out there because if a recruiter stumbles on it, I don't know how I'd feel about it. So take the time to really just Google yourself, have a look what's there. And if there's things, photos, images, anything that you don't want, just delete it. Yeah, or archive it or set it to, you know, private. Yeah, I know you can do that. So then you're not losing it completely, but you're just being mindful of what you're trying to achieve at the moment. Okay, number seven is networking. Networking. Oh, your fave, Shell. Your fave. <laughs> Tell us why we should all go to networking events. I think the funny thing is I, I don't like the term networking. I do like the thing of building relationships. And one of the things I think I am good at is connecting with people. So I can go anywhere, I think, and build connections. I, I want to say, I want to take the word think out of your last two sentences and be like, yes, you are good at building relationships and you can go there and build connections. And so can many of our listeners. I don't like the term networking because it seems like it's got an agenda, but I know it's, if it's at the essence of it, you're building relationships, you're building connections. And those relationships and connections are crucial for your career. And it, like you said, with LinkedIn, it gets to a tipping point where if you've built enough of those connections, you find it flips from you looking to for opportunities to people approaching you for things. And that's where for me now, those opportunities seem to come up where people will reach out and say, oh, we've got this idea or opportunity. I think it'd be great for you. Would you like to do it? As opposed to me trying to open those doors myself. And that's what networking helps you achieve. But go into those moments with the mindset of, it's not an, with an agenda. It's about building relationships and connections. And that can kind of take some of the awkwardness out of it, or at yeah. least it did for me. And let's reframe agenda to it's got intention and it's got purpose. Like it, you're not doing it just to kill time. You're doing it for a reason. And that is so okay. My hot tips for networking events would be start with I guess a bit of experimenting so go along to a few different events I remember when I was first attending events I there were some like women's only or all women networking events and what I found as someone in my early 20s was that it was just difficult for more difficult for me to connect with those people because they were they were at a different time in their life so the conversation tended to resolve around uh revolve around rather uh babies and and some of those things that I just wasn't there yet personally. And so it took going to a few different events to find, actually, I feel most at home right now in my career at the Young Professionals event, which I mentioned earlier. And then once you find that home, go to those events consistently. They usually hold them monthly and you need to be there every month consistently for that year in order to build that traction. If you're someone that hops around to one event and the next event And sometimes, you know what, you won't love the actual event or the speaker or whatever it might be, but the consistency is what is really important. Yeah, consistency is what builds the community. So going there regularly, I love that. And it's so helpful to just think about that in not going to all the things, just stick to one and do it ongoing. Absolutely. Number eight, we uh, we talked recently, we released an episode about how to bounce forward from feedback. And number eight on the te- list of 10 things you should do for your career before you're 30 is practice giving and receiving feedback. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. This is so helpful. It is really helpful. Feedback is huge in your development and our development. It's huge in our ability to nurture the relationships, which is so much of what we've been talking about. And there is a challenge 
both in giving and receiving. If you forced me, and I bet you would now I've said it, but if you <laughs> forced me to say which is more difficult, I'm going to have a really hard time to so decide what? because, no, you're not doing that to me. <laughs> Why not? I can see you want to ask me. Well, I guess my point is more that they're both equally important. And yeah. you did a really awesome post on LinkedIn recently, Shell, about giving feedback. Mm. And that was not long after we had recorded the episode on receiving feedback. And and they're both a skill. They're a skill that requires Such, practice. It's it's an art and science. And I say the science side of it because if you follow some like formulas, it can really help you to to frame it up. So it's how one of the things that I like to think when I'm when I'm giving feedback is theme, what's the overarching concern? So it might be a lack of attention to detail that's causing problems. Example and impact. So theme, example, impact. And that becomes your structure or your science formula, whatever you want to call it, for giving feedback well. And then the art side of it is how you communicate it. How do I want this person to feel when I'm giving that feedback to them? How do I want them to walk away? I don't want want them to walk away or be defensive. I want them to lean into the conversation. So thinking that through art, science, when you're giving feedback and being brave and being okay. I know it's Renee Brown's thing of being brave and awkward and kind. And I think those three things are beautiful when giving feedback. Let's talk about receiving feedback because we did talk about it before on another episode, but receiving feedback is can be hard. It's also hard to even get it, like mm. to actually have the opportunity. Say you're sitting down with your boss and you're like, do you have any feedback for me? And they're like, nah, it's all good. Mm. That happens a lot at work where you, you actually want feedback, but you're just not able to get it from the person that really should be giving you ideas of how to develop. So one of the things I'd encourage you to do if you're not getting feedback about your how you're going, it's all about how you ask. So instead of op- asking a really open question like, Em, hey, do you have any feedback for me about how I went on this podcast today? And Em's like, not really, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Coffee was good. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it. Thanks for bringing it. <laughs> but instead I'd be like, hey, Em, did you notice me saying um much in this pod episode? what do you think I could have done to be more clear? So you're asking more specific questions, not this big overarching, do you have any feedback for me? Get more specific. I wonder as well if, and and look, I'm just, we're sort of re-emphasizing like part of this practice is so that as you move through your career, not only are you really great at receiving feedback, but you can actually be better than than the typical, the average person in providing feedback and then everybody improves and everything gets better and so on and so forth. I'm wondering as well, if you're in a situation like Shell just described where you are craving feedback, sometimes it can be difficult. Like if Shell puts me on the spot at the end of the episode and says, did I say um too much? I might be like, oh, I don't know. Actually, I need to think back or listen back to the recording. So in another alternative as well could be if I say, oh, I'm not sure, Shell could then go, oh, well, when we record the next episode, would you mind keeping an eye out for yes. it? And at the end of it, providing like letting me know your feedback. The pre-feedback, like mm. asking someone to think it through. And I remember I used to do a lot of presenting for work at my old job and I would say to a couple of people who would be present who I really trusted, I'd usually try to get three. Say, I want you, before I hop up, can you be taking some notes of things I can do better? Yeah, and they'd awesome. be people who, they wouldn't necessarily be my boss, but 
they were usually really strong communicators and they would take notes and one of them, she would come up and she was so, I trusted her experience so much, but I also trusted how she delivered feedback and the fact that she cared about my development. And when I would sit with her, I would just, I would be so excited to receive that info from her because I knew I trusted her, her input's valid and it's really helpful and I'm also going to learn heaps. Yeah. All right. Number nine, we're nearly there. Read nonfiction. And I've got to preface this. Read nonfiction, read business books, read books about work to build up your skill set, read books about influence. But Em and I are saying this and we're both such big fiction oh, readers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If I was, but funnily enough, I'm like, oh, my 20s was all about nonfiction and now in my 30s. So just to give people a sense, like that's been the last couple of years, I've really shifted to fiction and I almost feel like I overdosed a little bit and I just needed to create an escape. Yes. I would not take back the amount of nonfiction I read in my 20s though. And it's it's creating that almost diverse library of different authors who help shape your view of work, your skill set. For me, I've got my go-to authors that I'm like obsessed with, like Patrick Lencioni and Brene Brown and Cal Newport and some really amazing authors. But also don't just stick to those people that you know, but create your good reads, want to read list, find people who have different interests to you and start to build up some diverse things. Like for me now, I'm reading heaps about copywriting and marketing and and different fields that historically I'd stuck more to leadership. So broaden what you're reading and, you know, maybe once you get to your 30s, you can be escape, escapism people like us and just read fiction and Yeah, fantasy. when we do the Before Your 40s episode, which we're totally not qualified for yet, but when we do that, we'll just, it'll be a very different it'll be list like, of 10. It'll be like, well, I'm trying to get M right now to read more fantasy books. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not anti-fantasy, I'm just more picky fantasy, like I'm a bit more choosy. Uh, but look, my, my sort of commentary around non-fiction something I found was really powerful was asking people what they're reading at the moment. So that was a really nice conversation continuer or conversation starter. And that then meant that I ended up with like just this huge pile. I never quite got into like the, the Kindles or anything. So I end up with this huge pile of like books yeah, that I've got to get through. Yeah, where do you store them? Oh, that, yeah, who knows? I need a bigger house. But the nice thing about that was it meant that I also had opportunities to swap books with people and share books. And so you didn't necessarily have to always buy the books. I also found though that I would often pick up a nonfiction book and start reading it and just not be able to get into it. But then there would be others that I'd be like, you know, turning the page really quickly. And so sometimes a lesson for me was sometimes it's not the right time to be reading a particular book and you need to just put it down and come back to it later. And if you come back to it at the right time, you will just, you know, you'll eat it up and you'll love it and it'll make so much more sense. That's really great. I, I needed to hear that today because there's so many books that I'm like four chapters in and I'm like, oh, will I ever finish that? But I'm just going to say it's not the right time and I'm coming back to it. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. All right. Bringing it home, number 10, we have Craft Your Elevator Pitch. Surely we couldn't get away with a list of 10 without this one. And it's just continuing to make me realise also we did not put these in any particular order, but there's quite a lot of... I guess, interconnection and interconnectedness, Mm. uh, perhaps is a better word, between these. This one is going to be really powerful to you at at networking events, when you're setting up your LinkedIn, when you're talking about a stretch role or something on the side with somebody. And it's 
also going to be really useful if you do happen to go for interviews as well. Yeah, and if you want to learn how to do this, we actually spoke a bit about it on the episode around personal brand. And so just have a look. It's with actually with my sister, Laura Higgins, who's runs a marketing business and she kind of unpacks how do you craft that and communicate it concisely. So if you want to learn the art form of that, go and back and listen to that episode if you haven't already, because you'll hear about really we go into depth around how do you message that to someone in a moment where you might only have 30 seconds with them. Having that really clear in your mind before you get into that position is so helpful. And also similar to many on this list, it will always be a work in progress. So you may find, you'll likely find that you'll nail it and then you'll evolve and that will need to evolve with you. Well, I'm really stoked. We've like smashed this out in we like t- 10 things to do for your career before you're 30 or if you're up. But okay, like if you're us, not. <laughs> we've still got some things to tick off this list. All right. Well, that's it from us. Em, love hanging out. All right. Back at your shell. And as always, if you enjoy the show, we love if you can leave a five-star rating and review. The reason we ask is because it really helps us to get the podcast out there. And the more we get it out there, the more episodes we can do. So please do that. And also share with a friend. We love to hear your feedback as well. So find us on LinkedIn. That's where we hang out. And we'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.